Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to What That Old Queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, let your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queen. Hey Tommy. Hi Bernie. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be on Zoom for a final episode of this season, but I am because I've been told to self-isolate. Yeah, you got a memo. I got I got a message from the NHS app, which seems to be happening to lots of people, but it seems to be people that have been going out and watching football, which I definitely haven't been doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not in my remit to do that <laughs> well also school teachers have got it as well right okay yeah they're going down like flies so i've been double jabbed and i've tested myself every day and i've had a lab test and i've been negative and i obviously don't have any symptoms i think what's the point of all of these tests if i can't go out if it's negative i know they're not a hundred percent but then nothing is, you know, and it's it just seems a bit weird that I have to still self-isolate after two vaccinations. Yeah, I mean, you've been very um, compliant with everything and um, I support you in that. But it does feel, um, well, it must feel very frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> very frustrating. But midnight tomorrow, I'm free. So by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be free again. <laughs> You'll be having a word of a time come midnight. <laughs> As you said, I'm going to be down the BBB. Or the Old Castle Green, if you want, seems to be going to the Old Castle Green these days. Do you think you will go out at midnight? You just wake up the next day. Um, I'll probably just wake up the next day. But I don't know. See how I feel. Why? You, should we go out? You've got a well, show to do. <laughs> Yeah, I can't go out. Anyway, enough about me. How's your week been? I'm very excited about a new purchase. 
Oh, yeah. What have you bought? I bought some slippers. <laughs> oh, look at those. But they're actually also, they're double, um, they're microfiber, and so you can clean your floor as well as wear them. <laughs> I love it. As I'm not, I, I hate cleaning. I love a dual-purpose thing that can do that. Where, where but can, they're not just... They're not just dual purpose, they're triple purpose. All right, come on then. Well, the woman that sold me them in TK Maxx said, and, they, and, and, you, can, and you can do exercises at the same time. <laughs> what, what kind of exercises? Well, I just, meant, I just imagine like shuffling around the floor. The split, <laughs> the split. I think the split would be brilliant in these slippers. Um, yeah, probably you might do yourself a mischief if you do it too quickly. And you're not used to it. No, I'm very used to doing splits. Okay. Um, and I just and I just received um, a lovely bottle of wine from Lathwaite's, um, free of charge. Just came through the post. Oh wow! It's a gooseberry bush, and it tastes divine. I love a gooseberry flavour in a white wine. Mmm. Yeah. It's quite acidic and tarty. Like you. <laughs> Totally like me. <laughs> well, with that in mind, I haven't really scripted anything for the final episode, uh, but I thought we'd um, a little game, which I'm going to call Call Me Buff, because I want to play the theme tune to pick Kink My Bluff. So, <laughs> But it's not really. But let, let me play the theme tune, and then I'll explain what I want, want us to do. Okay. The audience is loving this. <laughs> right. So I was going to do a whole kind of queer my bluff type thing because I've got this book, which is a new book called The Queen's English, written by Chloe O. Davis. And it's the LGBTQIA plus dictionary of lingo and colloquial phrases. Now, I've had a look through, and I would say probably 90% of this stuff, you know, old queens like us would know. So it's probably a good gift to give someone who, A, doesn't know about queer culture very much and wants to be an advocate, or they're just coming out. Yeah, you see, I think I need one the other way round. I need one that's like all the kind of new l- lingo, uh, because I had to ask someone what WBU meant the other day. And what does it mean? It just means, what about you? Oh, <laughs> well, it does have some of that in there. And it has a lot of the okay. lingo, which is used on drag race and things like that. Um, but I wanted to test your knowledge on a few of them. So in good style, I'm going to start at the end. <laughs> so what do you think a zaddy is? Beginning with Z, a zaddy. Um, you're not going to give me any options. No, it's not. It's not really kink my bluff. I'm just going to ask you whether you know what it is or not. Okay. No, I don't know what it is, but I could hazard a guess. Hazard a guess. It's a daddy, but that is um, on Zeds. 
you mean me uh, <laughs> no it, it almost <laughs> the daddy part is right i think it's a person typically mask or male identifying who is extremely eye-catching and put together and zaddy exudes a confident demeanor and oozes sexiness oh that is you <laughs> oh bless you <laughs> should we stay in the zeds what do you think? Why not? What do you think a zucchini is? <laughs> What's a zucchini? It's a fruit, isn't it? Uh, no, but in the terms of queer lingo. Oh, right. Is it someone that's an old fruit, like a sort of bit of a lush? No. It's a partner in a queer platonic relationship. So very close non-sexual friends. So that, that's a zucchini. Have you got any zucchinis? Well, are you a zucchini? Well, I could imagine I could be. Okay, ace queen. I'll give you a clue. It's your one. It's a bit like an alpha male. But... <laughs> well, kind <laughs> of. It's a, a gay, bi or queer man who grooms and styles themselves in a traditionally feminine way. Okay. So I would say that you're a bit of an ace queen. I like it. Are you happy with that? Yeah. Okay. What's an auntie? Uh, just sort of like a, a maternal kind of figure, like maybe in a club scene. Yeah. Queer club, Ma- club mature, scene. Uh, mature gay femme guy um, who can be yeah. Yeah, a mother figure. A blue boy. I mean that as well. Yeah. A, a blue boy? Um, someone that is interested in uh like sort of vanilla kind of sex <laughs> well possibly yeah. <laughs> it's a police officer <laughs> <laughs> but he might like vanilla sex ursula what's an ursula is it a reference to ursula andras coming out of the swimming pool in a statement bikini i wouldn't have thought so no <laughs> It's apparently it's a butch lesbian who enjoys celebrating bear culture. Oh, we all know who those. <laughs> okay, what about cakes? Can I jump out of one? <laughs> well, possibly. <laughs> cakes apparently are enticing buttocks. Also can be called biscuits, booty or buns. What's a blouse? Like a big girl's blouse would be like someone that would be just, I mean, I would think I was a bit of a girl's blouse. Like I would just, I would describe it as someone that is, would be very anti doing any kind of DIY or anything practical and just be like, oh no, I can't do that, which is me. So I'm not. Well, I, I want to own big girl's blouse because that's what I was called as a kid. Uh, mm. And I quite want to own that. But apparently just a blouse is a femme, gay, bi or queer guy who identifies as a top. I mean, we're learning all this new lingo. I mean, I had to go through like lots of pages to find stuff that we wouldn't know, but I didn't know any of this either, so I was just testing whether you knew it. No. Well, and, I haven't turned very well so far, have I? No. <laughs> well, yeah, you got the first one right. Jackie. 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 Yeah, it's Jackie. <laughs> like, it could be a reference to Jackie Stallone, in my favourite Big Brother. Yeah. It could be a reference to Jackie Collins. I'm really excited about um, 
Lady Boss, the new film that's coming out about Jackie and Jackie Collins. Mm-hmm. Jackie, I don't know. I just think it's probably a woman that knows her own mind. Well, possibly, but apparently in the um, the Queen's English Dictionary, it's a person who seems deceptive or pretentious. Um, I think we know a few Jackies as well, don't we? Um, okay, you've got three more. Well, actually two more. One's a statement. A unicorn. Well, the unicorn is this very sort of archetypal symbol of gay prideness, magical and fantastical i like your logic i don't well, think I, I don't think many of these have any logical answer unfortunately <laughs> i would connect it to someone that is sort of like probably quite kink averse as as a queer person oh. they might just be very much into the sort of the bright colors and the the child the childlike sort of infantilizingness of of, of queer culture i don't know yeah I mean, I love that. But it's the wrong answer. It would be a great bluff. <laughs> a unicorn is a queer person, often bi, who is open to sex or a relationship with a heterosexual couple. Oh. That's a unicorn. Do they actually exist? Is it because they're very rare and they've got the horn? <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, th- this one, I looked up Queen. I'm not going to ask you what what you think it is but um queen i really liked the definition of this one because obviously it's we identify as that in this podcast and it's a term used to unite all lgbtqi plus people blurring the line between genders and celebrating queerness which i loved i really like we've probably said it before and probably everyone knows it but queen mother who was a bit boozy with the gin and tonics yeah sneaking out of the palace and going down to some pub and then sort of shouting in the in the boozer which one of you old queens is going to buy this old queen a drink <laughs> yeah, that's i think that's what i'm going to do tomorrow night at midnight at the bbb um <laughs> final one zam like dam but with a Z in the front. We're back to the Zs. Um, I have no idea. Sorry, Bernie. Apparently, it's an overly empathic dam. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't know hardly any of those either, which is why I was asked, testing you. So I don't feel like you failed. I feel like we've won because we've learned something, both of us today. Um, Whether we withhold, withhold that information. <laughs> right. <laughs> my brain is full already. Yeah, um, mine too. So the Queen's English is available to buy now. There is a link in the description below. If you buy via our link, we'll get some money. So please do that. Anyway, what else should we talk about? Well, I, I did watch the film Supernova. Oh, yeah. Which... I, know, I wanted to watch it, but... Do you know what? I'm also scared. Well, I, I, I've been locked up and locked out <laughs> this week. Um, I did try and fake being in America via a VPN thing, but it didn't work. So I couldn't watch it. But I, I have to say, I watched the trailer and I was in tears. Uh, I mean, it's obviously very close to home for me because my mum's got dementia. But mm-hmm. yeah, go on. T- t- tell me about it. I will watch it, but I think it will be a difficult screening for me do you know what i mean 
I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I was very curious to know what you might think of it. I mean, it has a slightly different premise because it's about early onset dementia. So we're talking about uh, a gay couple that are probably like in their late 50s. And and it's been a film that has been completely overshadowed by the Anthony Hopkins is it called the father with anthony hopkins yeah, yeah i think so yeah. and i mean that looks totally harrowing i haven't seen that but yeah i watched that film and felt yeah very moved by it so it's got um colin firth and and stanley tushy in the film and it's just very underplayed and it's quite it feels like it probably isn't low budget but it feels quite low budget in in a good way you know mm. because it feels like it's very contained um, and there's those of kind of like beautiful moments of dialogue. They're like bickering in because they they're kind of going on a road trip, and they've got this sat nav. And the sat nav, one of them comments like, "Oh, this sat nav, she sounds a bit like Margaret Thatcher." And then the other one says, "Well, uh, isn't it awful? Like Margaret Thatcher was like responsible for Clause Twenty A, mm. and now she's telling us where to go on holiday." <laughs> So there's comedy moments in that as well. Yeah, it has that lightness. Yeah. But it's really interesting because it sort of brings up that age-old question that we often talk about, which is about straight actors playing gay characters. Yeah. And it's a really difficult one with those two actors because I just think they're brilliant performers, they're brilliant actors. I hated Colin Firth until I saw Single Man, and then it just... He just changed it for me with that one performance because I just thought he was brilliant. Because, I mean, he doesn't identify as being gay, but I think he really does understand gay people because I think he does know how to play a gay man. Stanley Tucci, though, is he not gay? No. Oh, wow. But apparently they're really good friends. So there's there's this real sense of intimacy with the two of them and you get that from it. Right. But that, uh, yeah, I mean, I've watched, like I said, I watched the... um, the trailer and I, w- mm. I was in tears i mean you know it's it is very close to home for me and but the the thing is is that there is humor within within it and i don't want you to obviously reveal the ending and spoil it for people but what was the overlying art was it quite a positive one or was it quite a negative one do you think it just felt a very real one actually okay. it just felt very very truthful um there's a beautiful sub kind of plot which is about the kind of the elements and the stars and astrological stuff really mm. which is interesting because i've got a show on saturday and it's kind of talking about um the atoms and fragmented stars and that we're all made from those those things um so it felt really like oh my god i'm thinking about this as well the only thing that really pisses me off about these films mm. is why are they always characters that are really like I can see why a, a, by by the characters need to be sort of very well formed, articulate kind of people, but they're always they always live in really fucking posh houses yeah. and like drive nice cars and have this kind of like beautiful people with beautiful houses and stuff. Why can't we see films? where there's just, like, people that can, you know, that can 
articulate, unlike me, uh, <laughs> uh, but that just live in regular places because it is seductive to see nice houses. But I don't think it would take away from that film if we saw them just living in a in a small little one bed flat in Old Market, for example. Yeah, exactly. And you know, obviously, my mum. And actually, there's a whole other story there with how like a property can break down because of dementia you you know i saw it happen with my mum's place Mm. and um yeah it is interesting it's always cinematic isn't it they all live in these plush places in america but then uh, in america uh, like houses tend to be quite big anyway don't they i just kind of assume that everything's a little bit bigger over there and they don't live in pokey little flats like we me and you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean supernova is actually mostly filmed in a camper van but then they visit in, in england right. um but they, they do visit uh a, a, the sister um in it seems like a beautiful big house in in scotland right so is it based in england yeah oh wow and they're living in some massive i was thinking it would be american so uh, yeah so no. there's no reason for it not to be a tiny place in britain <laughs> yeah. but it looks like from the trailer of the father that's in a beautiful house oh yeah of course well yeah it has to be like cinematic and look good everything has to be big in a film doesn't it mm including porn films apparently anyway <laughs> but just, so would you recommend it the film to our listeners yes i would definitely recommend it uh yeah i'd really like to, more people to see it and um yeah let us know what you think about it yeah well as soon as i'm let out of the house i'm i may even go to the cinema to see that mm. uh but i'll switch yeah. the nhs app off so i don't have to stay in for six days again <laughs> we have a fabulous guest coming up after the break rosie Wilby, award-winning comedian who's appeared on many times on bbc radio 4 programs and now what that old queen podcast and she has her own podcast the breakup breakup monologues yeah Yeah. Uh, but also an audio book called the breakup monologues which i've been listening to um over the last couple of weeks and the breakup monologues book is informed by the podcast apparently yeah so We'll be chatting to her after break. So we'll have a little break now and we'll um, we'll come back with Rosie Wilby. And we'll be back after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, so we're back, and we have a fabulous guest. Rosie will be, but Tommy, can you introduce Rosie for us? Well, it's a, it's a delight to have Rosie in the Zoom room with us. Um, me and Rosie have met a few times, actually, but the overriding memory that I have of Rosie, I don't know if you remember this, is when we were doing this quite a random sort of queer gig for some kind of gay festival in London <laughs> and it was a massive theatre, it was huge but it was, they only managed to sell out basically the front row <laughs> and I was doing a kind of like cowboy number where I came on in jockstrap and a lasso <laughs> and then Rosie had to kind of segue that into <laughs> yes. the next thing <laughs> Do you remember? But I do remember, and it was G-Fest, and I can't remember what the theatre was called, but it was a lovely space. And, yeah, bless them, they hadn't perhaps done the marketing they needed to to sell the rest of the seats. But I remember it being a really lovely and warm evening, even yeah. with a smaller audience. But, <laughs> yeah, I was comparing, and, <laughs> yeah, I loved your act. But, I, yeah, I remember perhaps... It, Yeah, feeling a little peculiar in this sort of nearly empty theatre. But we've all done lots of those kind of events and gigs, haven't we? (laughs) And and we'll continue to. (laughs) (laughs) Anywhere that will have us. I mean, now you know, that would be sort of a safe number of people to have in that large space because they could have all socially distanced, couldn't they? I mean, why are they not putting on these events now? I mean, there's, I'm sure there's many events which aren't going to attract that many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much should they only be for minority audiences? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rosie, you're... You're the presenter of the Breakup Monologues, and you've got a new book out, uh, which has been informed by the podcast. Yep. Tell us a bit about the podcast and the book. Okay, well, I've been doing comedy shows for about a decade now investigating the psychology of love so i embarked on this trilogy of shows all about 
how sexuality and attraction and eventually heartbreak work, which began with a show called The Science of Sex, which I've toured around the UK. And I've also taken to some queer festivals in New York and around the world. And then I did a show called Is Monogamy Dead, which became my first book. And I was looking at the sort of conundrum of long term monogamy and how we negotiate that and particularly how how queer people negotiate that, because I think we have sometimes come up with some interesting solutions for these sort of long-term relationship conundrums um, that are a bit outside of the sort of heteronormative script that we hear about relationships. And then the final part of the trilogy was a show all about my own breakup. But then after that, lots of other performers and friends would come up to me and tell me their breakup stories. And so I thought it would be fun to do some kind of chat show where I was a a kind of spoofy relationship therapist almost and hearing other people's breakup stories and also hearing the more hopeful stories of how they recovered and maybe met somebody better or enjoyed being single or, or had some kind of redemptive or positive ending or outcome from the heartbreak. And eventually after I'd recorded plenty of those conversations, most of them happening live in front of an audience um, I thought I would really love to write another book. And so it made sense to call that the breakup monologues as well as the podcast, even though in a way that's a slightly misleading title because it sounds like it's lots of different monologues, whereas the book in particular has a lot of my story throughout uh, kind of keeping holding things together, but punctuated with interviews with experts about the science of heartbreak, how it's very similar to withdrawing from a drug or thinking about whether in the future we might be able to take an anti-love drug and be able to forget an ex in a sort of real life version of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and also other people's breakup stories and so on but but all the time holding it together is is my story of actually trying at last to state in a relationship informed by what i learned from my past breakups Great. So are you in a relationship now? I am, yes. Oh, and amazing. Yeah. So in a way, it's like the sort of happy, in inverted commas, ending. Um, although, you know, I'm, I'm kind of keen to point out in the book that being in a relationship is complicated and difficult and challenging as well as, as wonderful. So, I, I, you know, I do think that being single has lots of pros and benefits as well. So... You know, I think we have this sort of binary where we have two new binaries about everything, don't we? But we have this binary that somehow being single is terrible and being in a relationship is, you know, is the ideal. But it's definitely not if you look at some of the relationships that go on. Um, so, so yeah, I think um, we have these interesting ways, these interesting scripts of looking at relationships and celebrating relationships the longer they go on with these increasing gifts at wedding anniversaries of uh, you know going from paper and wood up to sort of gold and silver and diamond and you know by the time people get to those wedding anniversaries they're absolutely fed up to the back teeth of each other so <laughs> i find it quite interesting how we celebrate longevity whereas obviously with my first book i looked into the world of polyamory and non-monogamy which was all fairly new to me at the time but 
I do think it makes a lot of sense to have a slightly different outlook on relationships. And even if you're going to be monogamous to sort of, you know, talk about what that means and maybe be informed by how much people who are polyamorous and having open relationships need to communicate. So I do think that, you know, monogamy or sort of my old version of monogamy as I knew it can be imbued with a ton of secrets and assumptions. So I am in a relationship now and I I do credit this work that I've done looking at relationships and love through a very comedic and very queer lens, but actually looking at some of the real psychology of how it works. I do credit that work with, um, you know, me being able to be in a relationship now and being able to communicate and being able to function and actually you know, both of us get on with our day-to-day work and living together and and running a home together, but also sometimes spending quality time together and being lovey and cuddly and all of that stuff. But I think it's very complicated being in a relationship. Yeah, it's a a lot of hard work, which is probably why I'm I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tommy. Did you find any conclusive answers to that question, is monogamy dead? Do you think that there is an answer to that? Like, did you feel like you were coming to any answers in that? I I don't believe that it's dead. I'm actually in a monogamous relationship now. Well, in so much as, you know, our societal interpretation of that is a sexually exclusive one. Um, Although I think, you know, we can define and interpret monogamy in different ways. And we have adapted the meaning of it from the original Greek was monos gamos, one marriage for life. Whereas, of course, most of us now mean one marriage at a time. Because uh, <laughs> especially the lesbian community are incredibly serially monogamous. And we ha- we are the sort of world record holders at divorce. <laughs> we, we divorce at several times the rate of gay men. <laughs> Which is, it's kind of really interesting because people are always surprised uh, when they hear that, particularly the sort of heteronormative audiences. But it it makes sense, really, because in the heterosexual community, 75% of divorces are initiated by women. So it just seems to be that women seem to, I don't know, be able to just say it when they're actually not into a relationship anymore and decide that they want to go, want to leave. I think that's really interesting because I I was interested in in the book when you're talking about the menopause. Mm. Um, and the menopause is something that we don't really talk about. And I think that it, it feels quite pertinent to our podcast when we're talking about our kind of age group really and that the menopause could be a space really where you are throwing up new ideas wanting new new things to come your way and stuff and I wondered about like how that impacted the pe- the people that you spoke to that experienced the menopause was that a a space really where where people were encountering wanting new adventures Definitely. It it does feel like a time for real transformation and new beginnings for a lot of women. And it's certainly something I've been thinking about because both myself and my partner, girlfriend, as she's known in the book, are definitely perimenopausal, which means we're coming towards the menopause and we're starting to experience weird and wonderful (laughs) symptoms of that. And yeah, I know a ton of women who are a little bit further on and maybe have 
experienced menopause. And there are many, many women who were in heterosexual marriages who have post-menopause decided to leave their husbands, many becoming late blooming lesbians, some going off to pursue new career dreams and hobbies and pursuits and different life adventures, traveling, going to a different part of the world. Because I suppose once they've seen their children off into the world, it feels like they fulfilled that part of their life, you know, because in the old days, women died at menopause. So, you know, your function was to bear children and then bring them up until they were ready to go off out into the world. And then that was it for you. Whereas now there's this whole postmenopause or lifespan for women that they're thinking, right, what do I do now? But also, do you think a lot of those breakups are about men not really understanding the menopause as well? Because no one really does talk about it, do they? Absolutely not. And I think you're absolutely right. I think men are a bit scared of all things, you know, female problems. Um, So, yeah, I I think definitely we haven't communicated enough about the weird and wonderful emotional effects and physical effects of of going through this very strange (laughs) change in life. And and also, I suppose, the psychological and emotional impact of the way that women are seen societally and when you're sort of seen as past it and invisible because you you can't have children anymore. So, you know, in this very animal and basic way, you're seen as having, you know, no longer got your sort of main function in the world, whereas I don't have children and so I don't kind of see it quite that way anyway because I'm much more interested in creating interesting work and causing provoking discussion and debate (laughs) you know interested in pursuing my creativity and I think that's probably got more interesting as I've got older and sort of uh, past my mid-40s so yeah, it's, it's it's a very strange thing that we, we haven't talked about enough. I think it's just starting to be discussed and be talked about. I have appeared on a couple of um, midlife podcasts with women who are of a similar age who have been talking about this whole journey in life so I think I think we're starting to talk about it a little bit and there was a big uh, tv show on recently that um, Davina McCall presented that a lot of women were watching and I think for a lot of women this new discussion that seems to be happening they're kind of like oh my god oh that's what's happening to me that's why I've been feeling so emotionally all over the place and feeling exhausted and drained and and having these weird night sweats (laughs) that's very unappealing (laughs) so i've been listening to your audio book and it does feel very it does feel very intimate and personal i think it's something Mm. about the way that you deliver the the text you know you have that kind of it's almost like semi-whispered quality a lot of the time and you feel like you're in this like little world with you and there's a moment where you talk about you say something like you know it's almost like a message to younger women where you say like when you go through the menopause hopefully they might have got some sort of decent medication to sort out that condition so that you won't experience some of the kind of shit that uh, shit that women are experiencing now yeah absolutely yeah it's funny when i was recording the audiobook 
Um, Because I haven't actually listened to it, but only tiny little clips that my publisher sent me as audiograms. And I'm aware that on different sessions, because I broke it up into half day sessions, because I knew from the experience of narrating my previous audio book, that spending a whole day in a little dark booth recording, it makes you go mad. Um, So I did, I think, four half day sessions where I just went in for the afternoon. But then on different days, you're in a slightly different mood with it. I mean, obviously, they try and sit you in the same place, same distance away from the mic and and get you, you know, to talk a bit and and check your levels. But I think there was one day where I was really leaning in and I was quite intimate. And yeah, I think it was like the probably the bit you're thinking about. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's quite a personal book that really talks about you know, heartbreak and loss and and grief and worries about money and bereavements and, you know, a lot of quite challenging things that even though they're they're done largely through quite a comedic lens, you know, it is quite personal. So, yes, I think I did have that sense of uh, bringing the the listener into into my little world. And one thing that you do really nicely is you you give – all of your exes like pseudonyms <laughs> and in honor of that i've given some of mine some pseudonyms too oh, so i wondered if we could pay um homage to the because you you give ones like the bisexual comedian and the boozy ex-girlfriend those are the ones that i remember but my yeah. ones are the unscrupulous lothario uh-huh. and then i've got the unscrupulous gp there's a lot of unscrupulousness that's what i said (laughs) and then i've got the the, um big cheeked portuguese (laughs) i love them i love it uh tommy didn't tell me about this so i've had to come up on the spot with mine uh right i've got the guy that was oh so anal about everything (laughs) 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 the bisexual frenchman and yeah. rope. Oh, rope. He obviously gave me enough to hang myself and him. Mm, okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I was just going to say that makes me want to watch Rope, but their Alfred Hitchcock film, Rope. Oh, okay. yeah. Of course. <laughs> you are the centrefold of Good Housekeeping magazine. So, Good Housekeeping. I was quite excited to get a, a spread in Good Housekeeping with quite a queer feature, yeah. really, about same sex marriage and how I've gone on this journey with marriage from being a student campaigning on a same sex wedding demo on Valentine's Day outside York Minster in uh, the early 90s to then, I guess, when it became legal for same-sex couples to marry in 2014, thinking, oh, I'm not sure whether we really want to buy into all that sort of patriarchal, archaic nonsense, and, and kind of thinking that queer people had their own creative ways of doing things that were maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe more interesting really anyway than following this kind of normative script that we've all been told is the way to have relationships. 
to meeting somebody and falling in love and living together and having a dog and two cats and thinking, well, actually, it, it would be quite nice. And in some ways, maybe it is also a radical act to change the face of marriage and to you know, get dolled up for a lovely photo shoot in a very heteronormative women's magazine. Um, I was I was quite into that, and they they really embraced it and got it got us all dolled up for a photo shoot at the photographer's house in Southwest London and got little outfits for us. And it was really sweet. It was quite a romantic photo shoot, actually. So yeah, it was it was fun, and you know, I think. Yeah, I think it's great to have articles about women getting married in in a magazine like that. And what was really sweet was my girlfriend's brother and sister-in-law showed it to their daughter. So my girlfriend's niece, who's, God, I don't know, about 11 or 12. She's an incredibly bright girl. And she sent a message to her auntie saying that she'd absolutely loved Auntie Rosie's article and it was really brilliant and really inspiring. So, you know, I think if it gives young people, not that loads of young people necessarily be reading good housekeeping, (laughs) but, you know, things like that give young people some kind of sense that a relationship doesn't necessarily look a certain way and that that there is variety in that that can only be a good thing um and actually the article was shared on apple's newsfeed as well so there were loads of people i wouldn't have expected to see it who sent me a message saying oh look at you rosie so that was quite fun so uh, how do you, you feel about, but how do you feel about relationships now because you're talking about i mean you're you're in a monogamous relationship your first book was is monogamy dead i i saw your tedx talk about that as well you said it informed you as to how to have a better monogamous relationship in terms of the communication between polyamory but uh, yeah that was in 2015 do you think it's changed now in 2021 well, I think a lot of things are changing at the moment because the pandemic has altered the face of our relationships. And um, so people who were having more than one relationship, I guess, found it pretty challenging to do so when we were on strict lockdown. So, And also there have been a ton of divorces during lockdown as well. So I think the way we have relationships is possibly changing. I think now we're out of lockdown. People might go crazy and have a wild orgy. I don't know. But I think one of the things that informed me the most about how to take some kind of poly values forward into monogamy was when I went and did comedy at a sex party. And it <laughs> it was super fun. And you can only do quite a short set at the cabaret because people are quite impatient for the, uh, the sex room to be opened. <laughs> but I was really keen to go to this event, but I thought, being part of the cabaret was kind of my way of of going in and sort of doing, in inverted commas, research. (laughs) um, (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, what was so interesting was, um, because I haven't been to a lot of events like that, um, but it was so friendly and so warm and so it felt like such a safe space and people were not drinking that much um you know everyone was just kind of high on the flirtatiousness on the on the atmosphere of connection and when we entered we had to agree to a set of rules that were about 
consent and respecting people's boundaries and being safe and not getting rowdy or drunk, not being pushy and, you know, harassing people. And I just thought these are really good kind of rules to think about um, because I I think in my past relationships, I haven't always been very good at articulating my own boundaries and what I need or what I want or when I don't want sex and I'm just not in the mood I think we find that very difficult to say sometimes don't we because we're worried the other person's going to feel rejected so I think these things are difficult to talk about and I just think going to an event like that and a few other events I went to a lesbian sauna which I have written about quite comedically in my first book because I was disappointed we weren't quite as frisky as I imagined the gay men are in the in the sauna and we most of us just ended up having a cup of tea and folding towels and tidying <laughs> sounds all right to me <laughs> um but uh, yeah so i do think that for me it was quite liberating to think about how we can think about relationships differently and how communication is so vital however we're going to do it and i just think you know so many things are communicated about in such an awkward way particularly in this country we're so british about sex aren't we it's all innuendo and nobody wants to say anything like it is so (laughs) um i think it was good for me to just think outside the very traditional heteronormative box for a while well would love to keep talking about this all night i'm sure we'll bring it up Mm. in our queens of agony section but are you willing to stay on and and uh, be a bit of an agony aunt for us rosie oh i'd i'd love to great okay well we have a little gong bath before we go into the queens (laughs) of agony section so i'll just do a big gong It's great because I've got a new cable so the guests can actually hear the sound effects now. <laughs> I can. What a gong. <laughs> Sorry, was that a bit loud in your... <laughs> no, no, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Okay, great. So, dear old queens and Rosie, obviously, <laughs> how do I deal with my boyfriend's jealousy issues? So I'm not sure how to go about solving this. My boyfriend is really great in every possible way except one. He gets ridiculously jealous. He's weird around all of my male friends. Yes, even the straight ones. This guy was checking me out at the gym yesterday and my boyfriend got super tense and grumpy for the rest of the day. He's never confrontational or anything, but his behaviour changes and his mood sours whenever he feels threatened by another guy. Uh, He puts a hand on me proprietarily and stares angrily at the guy i thought the possessiveness was cute at first but it's just all the time he has such a big ego about everything else i'd like to know why he's so insecure about this also i don't like how he clearly sees me as someone who can't defend himself against some pushy dude who's into me it's like he thinks i can get any man that flirts with me Oh, it, I it's love like watching you... Rosie's face. Rosie looks like 
prepared it all before. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I, I mean, this is like war and peace of the of, of the usual problem. Sorry, it's a bit long. So we've talked about it, and he knows it's a problem. He says the feelings are really new to him, and he's trying his best to be better. Do you or have you ever had? a partner like this did it eventually improve is there something that can be done to help so jealousy problems i have to admit i'm going to put my hand up here i've been the jealous one in a relationship so i i have i I mean hopefully i've worked through a lot of these issues at the ripe old age of 51 in the past i definitely have been the jealous one i mean rosie what do you think you you looked very knowingly apparently as i was reading that well, I have had jealous partners and I've been jealous in the past. And it it really is all about our own deep insecurities. Um, and there's a theory called attachment theory where we are we all tend to have an attachment style and we're somewhere on this scale of either being anxious or avoidant or if you have a more healthy relationship attachment style you're secure now a lot of psychotherapists will say that our attachment styles are rooted in our childhood experiences and they're relatively fixed but i've also read that you can move them as well you can move along that scale towards a more secure attachment type and you can actually fill in free surveys online if you just look up attachment style questionnaire and you can find out what your attachment style is from just answering a few questions um i mean there there are more sophisticated ones that you can pay for and my girlfriend and i both filled this in recently We, we both came out as secure but we both said that we would have come out differently if we'd have filled that in during our previous relationships and that was partly to do with where we were and the growth we've done since then and the self-development but it was also to do with partners that we were with who were not able to communicate what was going on for them I was for many years in a relationship with somebody who was not out to her parents and I have joked about how she did once try to tell me um, try to make me feel better by telling me that her parents had enjoyed the film Brokeback Mountain (laughs) 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 and I didn't necessarily think that was giving a a great sense of how well gay relationships could turn out but there we are um but i suppose my my point is that someone who is jealous and insecure may not always be so i think i think there is a way of of becoming more secure but i think it's i think it's hard it's a lot of hard work and it it could involve therapy either as a couple or individually and of course that depends on whether you know whether your partner is is up for that but i do think that a good therapist can really help i mean a bad therapist can sometimes help but sometimes not <laughs> <laughs> well if you want that bad therapy you're in the right podcast um, so um uh, uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, and I think it's about how you communicate with your partner. And it's about making them feel uh, it's about you being confident, but also your partner mm. making you feel confident as well. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of give and take there. I mean, I very often think that a polyamorous relationship is good, because then the jealousy thing kind of goes out the window, because it's just like, do you know what, it's all allowed. So I don't really 
have the right to feel like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's a word, isn't there, in polyamory. There's the word frubbly, which is for describing when you actually feel turned on by your partner being with Mm. somebody else. And I think I heard on your last episode with Scott, there was somebody who'd written in who's who felt really really turned on by the boyfriend having been with somebody else yeah and they were quite Um, confused by that (laughs) and they wanted to know whether that was okay (laughs) i think that is okay yeah Um, me too (laughs) it's certainly not a completely unique experience so yeah it's 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 interesting isn't it um in polyamory how you know your partner being with somebody else is not this big world-ending threat it doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship has to end whereas in monogamy it does represent this big threat because so many monogamous relationships end because one person fancies somebody else or slept with somebody else or something has happened which yeah, in a polyamorous setup, wouldn't necessarily mean the end of the end of a partnership that people have spent years, you know, creating and building, and you know the the sort of unraveling of of mutual friendship networks, and you know maybe having a home together and mm. some kind of family interconnections and so on. So yeah, I think you know a lot to be said for polyamory and the sort of way that you don't necessarily just jettison a good partnership because oh somebody fancies somebody else that might just be a light flirtation a bit of casual sex it might be nothing that really threatens a a deep-rooted committed primary partnership but of course in monogamous scripts that is you know beyond the pale isn't it so Tommy, it's, what do you, it's, so, it's so interesting, yeah. Tommy, what do you think? Well, I just thought that Rosie's answer was the, probably the most eloquent answer that we've ever had on What the Old Queen. I know, 47 Brilliant. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it did make me think that we probably only heard this one side of that, uh, of that problem, really. And, you know, I, I was reminded about your book, Rosie, when you talk about being an only child and mm. that, and how that might impact on that relationship. So it might be interesting to explore that person's background, their history, really, to, to know really whether... Because actually, when I heard that problem, I was very much like, oh, you just need to get out of that relationship. But probably the kind of more common sense answer would be, to explore things in yourself really about why that why that's triggering you in that way well hold on that rosie because the next question bizarrely seems to be related to this question i'm not sure if, if these people are involved but do you remember in the last question they said about the guy eyeing them up in the gym oh yes <laughs> well <laughs> dear old queens is it wrong to purposely make eye contact with a gay couple at the gym (laughs) i noticed them i could tell that they noticed me each of them were trying to sneak a peek when the other wasn't looking i was mostly into the boyfriend that seemed like the obvious top but both were looking and it was entertaining a threesome would be hot but it seemed like both of them were scared to get caught looking at me so i doubt that that's on the table I mean, so I, you think it's the guy. I like to think gym. this is connected. It's the same gym. 
<laughs> Did you leave some kind of survey in a particular gym in London? <laughs> I wish. For call out for questions. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because oh, wow. that's kind yeah, of like I, I the think... other side, isn't it? It's the other side of it's the guy that's looking at one of the partners, and they might yeah. be jealous of each other. You know, yeah, it's so it's so interesting, and and you're trying to work out what the what the dynamic is. But uh, talking about this whole kind of poly uh, monogamy divide, and and how we look at you know um, fancying other people outside of that, um, there are a couple of evolutionary psychologists who are polyamorous who I interviewed on my podcast and who I quote in the book, um, Jeffrey Miller and Diana Fleischman. And they were over from the States and came and guested on one of my London shows for the podcast. And they were just saying how there's this, you know, you're just not doing this kind of tightrope walk when you're polyamorous that, you know, it's all or nothing. Um, you know, you could have that hot little fling with, with the guy from the gym or the threesome or whatever, um, but you could still have your, you know, primary relationship and your domestic cosy setup and sense of family, and that wouldn't all be completely <laughs> thrown out the window or have a grenade thrown into the centre of it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. And I just like the way that in poly language it's all about you know the quality of the relationship while it lasted and there's not this expectation that it has to last forever or else that's a terrible failure there is a sense that a relationship could be a success even if it lasted six months or a year or however long it might have served the purpose for all the people involved that it that it needed to do you think that's the problem that everybody seems to think that it has to last forever because the thing is at my ripe old age I feel like no relationships last forever even if they last a lifetime one or other of you is going to die so it's just like we need to not have this ideal of fairy tale relationships because sooner or later they will end one way or another yeah, I know. It's it's quite a dark thought, isn't it? And it's it's almost a depressing thought that, you know, I've sort of committed to this woman that I'm going to marry. And, you know, it's lovely and we are in love and we're happy and we have, you know, this sense of family with our beautiful pets. And, you know, we have this lovely life that, that we're very lucky to have. But then also there are moments when you think, oh, God, this is it until I die. <laughs> But it isn't. What well, it's like Victoria Wood sketch when they say marriage, and she went, "Oh, don't worry, it's not forever." <laughs> Dear, oh God. But yeah, I mean, it's, isn't it funny how we think that's romantic that you are, you know, saying you'll stay with this person and, until you keel over? Yeah, it, it's weird, really, isn't it? And then. I- I've seen the other side of that with my parents because of my father dying and my mum having to survive without him. And it's just like the devastation of that is is terrible. And it's something that you're not really prepared for, I think. Or, yeah, or like I, the generation yeah. above us certainly wasn't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my dad has been around about uh, 20 years or so without my mum. Um, you know, because we, we lost her when I was still in my 20s. And... Yeah, and he's never 
met anyone else or been, I think, that interested in and really pursuing another relationship because I guess for that generation, it was like, you know, it really was one marriage for life pretty much. I mean, yes, of course, then perhaps people just ever so slightly younger than my parents did uh, start to get divorced. And that was quite a thing. I, I've certainly had girlfriends who've had divorced parents. But yeah, I, th- I think that that sense of not wanting to be with anybody else, even, you know, 20 years after your spouse has, has died, um, you know, I, I, can, I just I'm sort of glad that my dad is active and social and very physically well and fit, largely speaking. And he really enjoys his life and enjoys going out for walks and being out in nature and seeing lots of different friends. And, you know, he has an active little life and, and gets on well with his neighbours and his local community. So, I think he's okay, but it's, it's been a long, long time with, without my mum. So I think almost you can sort of be too monogamous because how far do you take it? Do you, you know, if your partner dies, do you then continue to stay faithful even when they're not there? It's, it's really interesting. Tommy, did you have, a, have something to say? Oh, well, I didn't really have anything to add apart from observing my parents who, who both of them have got very different um, health concerns at the moment and absolutely hate each other at the moment because they just can't get along with each other. It's just very difficult, really, to watch that. But the, the, the irony of it is, is they probably do still love each other. It's just, mm. you know, and if either one of them were to disappear for whatever reason they would be devastated um yeah it's uh it's odd in those long-term relationships where you see that that kind of acid tongue that both of them have for each other but then they'd be devastated if anything happened to either of them i feel like we're answering a different question i feel like that too Uh, so (laughs) let me just remind us of the question Is it wrong to purposely make eye contact with a gay couple at the gym? I say no. It's completely related in my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all part of a theme, isn't it? But I think, no, it's fine to make eye contact. But then, you know, then if they said to you, no, don't make eye contact, (laughs) then maybe... Don't. don't make eye contact anymore. <laughs> Maybe leave it and go and look at somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, we've got two more questions. One's long, one's short. Okay. Um, okay. So this one's a dating one. Third mm. date red flags. So I went on a third date with a guy. Things were going really well. He asked a friend if he could join us to go swimming and have a drink. I said, sure. I noticed some awkward tension between the two. Later, the guy told me that he met his friend on Grinder, and they hooked up last week. I was upset that he invited a Grinder hookup to hang out with us and never said a word other than he was a friend. Is it fair to be upset? Plus, their hookup was the day after our first date. I'm thinking I should bail early. What do you guys think? <laughs> Are they friends? Are they friends or in a relationship? I didn't get that. This is a third date. So, uh, although I feel like one of them's going into the friend zone. (laughs) (laughs) With this. 
don't you? But yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know what you think, Tommy. What do you think? I think that they probably should have a conversation about where, what, what the parameters of that relationship are. Yeah, absolutely. I always think inviting somebody else on a date without explaining the context of who they are is a bit off. I once went on a date with a woman that I met on Gaydar Girls back in the days when that was a thing. And she, I, I knew that I was meeting her after she'd been seeing some other friends and they were going to have gone. And then I was going to turn up to this place and have my date with her. But when I arrived, she had this sort of panel of three ex-girlfriends all vetting me. It was like a very weird kind of X factor. Um, and they just stayed. They just hung around. Wow. <laughs> So you, that was weird. Did you have to perform or something? Were you? <laughs> no, I mean maybe they were hoping for that, but yeah, in the end, I was just not really into it, and um, I thought this woman was a bit of a dick, really. So um, I, I left. But unfortunately, it was really uh, rainy that day, and I'd forgotten I'd left my umbrella under the table, and I'd made a good exit and quite dignified. And then I thought, oh no, I've left my I've left my umbrella under the table, so I had to just go go back and get it and go. I just got to get this. <laughs> just sort of ruined my very dignified exit. <laughs> I love the idea of the umbrella under the table being some kind of metaphor for um, reclaiming something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it when that happens when you have to go back after you've flounced out oh, and done yes. like a Joan Collins exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, what do we think? Third date? Should he carry on with this or what? Well, not without yeah, a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, maybe this guy wants a thruple and he's yeah. introducing him to this guy that thinks they could all be in a relationship together with. Well, just, maybe he just needs to declare that and say that. And then I guess the other two could make their decision based on <laughs> what he's proposing. Well, I think in a roundabout way, this guy is either telling him that he doesn't want a relationship with him or he wants like a casual thing or an open relationship with him is he's, he's mm. not communicating it very well but i think by inviting someone else on a third date who's a grinder hookup i think <laughs> i think i think it's a uh, quite a clear message there <laughs> which maybe could have been communicated in a different way <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sadly, uh, you're probably right, and it needed to have been communicated slightly better. But yeah, that might be his his intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Final question, dear old queens and Rosie, <laughs> losing my hearing after sex. Does anyone else lose their hearing after sex? My hearing goes out every time my boyfriend and I have sex. Is that a thing? <laughs> so. Has I mean, have you lost any senses after orgasm? I, I, I'm not so sure that I ha- ever have. I, I don't think I've heard of that. <laughs> Tom, have you? Never heard of it, but I don't know why he's asking us. <laughs> well, he, he's never heard of it either because he can't hear after sex. But <laughs> I, I, I don't, yeah, that's, that's a new one on me. Mm, I mean, that must be some orgasm. 
Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, maybe are they having really noisy sex? <laughs> <laughs> like those decibels are too loud. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, maybe they're having sex in a club. I don't know. Obviously, clubs aren't a thing at the moment, so maybe not. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what sense would you want to lose after orgasm? Smell. Smell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Yeah, I it mean... can all be a bit sweaty then, can't it? <laughs> Although that's, I mean, that's when we, it's smell that really bonds us and makes us attracted to people you know it's the pheromones isn't it totally i quite like the smell i actually really love i love sweaty you know i love sweaty sex but then but i only love it in the moment and then Mm. after i i sort of felt almost a bit repugnant by the sweat Mm. is it the sweat or is it the sex Tommy, are we get, well, because, should we dive deep on I, this? Well, I do have a lover that sweats a lot, and then and then I always have to put all the bedding into the washing machine afterwards. And, oh. um, you know, sometimes I have to make that decision, like, do I really want to change the bedding? <laughs> or will I just sleep on my own tonight? I mean... <laughs> It's like you—it's like you need to have sex in some kind of kill room cell. (laughs) (laughs) Putting out, you know, lots of tarpaulin everywhere, which is just going to make you sweat more. (laughs) (laughs) Some Dexter kind of kill room is where you're going to have sex. Uh, I'm not so sure that's going to turn me on, but. I don't know. Maybe it would. I'm, I'm not sure. What sense would you want to lose after <laughs> after sex, Rosie? Well, uh, yeah, I was thinking smell as well. <sighs> yeah, I think I think it would have to be because I mean it depends what you're doing or have been doing, but it could mm. be taste, couldn't it? <laughs> it could be taste. Yeah, that might be an easy one to get rid of. <laughs> I mean, even sight. You know. I could go blind yeah. for a couple of minutes after sex. Yeah, that would be fine. The sad thing about losing losing the hearing after the sex is you miss out on the pillow talk, and I quite like the pillow talk. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how long this happens for. Um, well, hopefully not very long. Yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping it's temporary. Um, but also, are they in the Mile High Club, do you think? Is, are they losing their hearing while they're, while they're in a plane having sex? <laughs> because you know the ears it, popping yeah it plays <laughs> havoc with my ears when i'm up there yeah, I don't, I don't about so you. it does yeah. yeah have you got an address for the listener <laughs> <laughs> well do, why what what do you want you do you want me to give you their number have you got coordinates <laughs> <laughs> i've got a gps tracker on them right now so i'll just check my phone <laughs> Anyway, losing hearing just after sex. I don't know. Go and see your GP. Is it a problem? It depends where you're having sex and with what orifice. I mean, it could be tinnitus related. I suffer with tinnitus now and um, it is a pain. But but I think what triggered it was building works, not sex. You might have to investigate that. (laughs) Maybe he's um, having sex with builders. (laughs) <laughs> doing the building works <laughs> which is what always wanted. yeah <laughs> or maybe that turns him on you know 
sex next to one of those pneumatic drills mm. <laughs> or on the pneumatic drill. I, I mean, I don't oh. know. Yeah, that's a whole other kind of kinky area. Anyway. I mean, if you had access to a pneumatic drill, then you might not need to have sex <laughs> with a human. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I do want to know more about hearing loss after sex, though. That's uh, interesting. And, I, um, yeah. I mean, if it, if it goes on a long time, then... Yeah, you probably might want to see a hearing specialist and get more expert advice than ours. It almost sounds a bit Catholic, doesn't it? It's just like you'll go blind if you masturbate. Yes. <laughs> you'll go no deaf evil. if you have sex. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you think it could be psychosomatic, like a sort of guilt response? Could be psychosomatic or, you know, maybe God's wrath. <laughs> They need to fill out a form before to say whether they're Catholic or not. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, on that bombshell, I think we've come to the end of the podcast. Rosie, thank you so much for being with us. Hopefully, we've lightened your Thursday up. <laughs> yes, you have. You have indeed. And um, well, I'm delighted that you sent me a message and that Tommy had been enjoying the audio book. I have, yeah. Thank you. Keep doing what you do. Where can our lovely listeners find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Rosie Willby. I'm on Instagram at Breakup Monologues. And yeah, the book is available in all the bookshops, including our wonderful Gaze the Word. Oh, and yes, and the podcast is available on all all those podcast platforms and apps you know so after they've listened to your podcast they could go and listen and catch up online of course thank you so much for being with us it's been a joy to have you here please say goodbye to our lovely audience goodbye lovely audience it's been wonderful to chat to you Tommy please say goodbye goodbye lovely audience we will see you next time. It's the, it's the last show in the series. We finished our fourth season as well, Rosie, oh. and you've just finished yours. So we will see you in a few months next time on What That Old Queen. You have been listening to What that old queen written and presented by tom marshman and bernie hodges the show was produced by bernie hodges for hodge podcasting in 2021 if you have a question for the old queens or you'd like to be a guest or you want to sponsor a show and give us lots of money you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on facebook instagram or twitter up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.